0: You are listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bonaise, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bonaise. Good morning. We're we're in Philippians uh, chapter 3. We're we're actually going to be looking at the same text as we looked at uh, the other week. Um, Now, recent holiday... I'm not bragging, it's not holiday brag. Went to Mallorca with my wife, it was lovely. Not the party end, the beach end where it's just like sun and, you know, it was amazing. And we took a particular budget airline, you know, an airline that is a boy's name. Let's put that out that. I, I can't say it just in case I, I get sued, uh, but there you go. Uh, and Jess and I, we, we refuse to sit together because we're tight, right? Uh, we refuse to pay for extra luggage. So we're like, I don't mind if you're at the front of the plane and I'm at the back. I just trust that if something goes wrong, you'll manage to get off, okay? But... So we won't sit together. And also we won't pay for the extra luggage. So this is what I look like, getting ready for it. Because you know how it is with budget airlines. You just wear everything you've got. You know, Andrew, bless him, he tells me that when he's going away, particularly if you're going on a car holiday, you know, self-catering or something like that, he will go around his entire house just picking things up and going, should I take that? You know, it's a coffee machine or like whatever. It's the, it's the tumble dryer. No, you don't need to take that with you. But you, you kind of load up. Too much, uh, and, and you look like that. Uh, Jim, bless him, Jim's in, in our midst this morning. Hi, Jim. Jim is an experienced traveler, and we were chatting the other day, and he said he just carries one bag on like that's it, that's all he takes. Like, I don't know how he does it you know, washing in the sink or something like that. It's probably it, isn't it? You know, hanging it out on the balcony to dry. Uh, but experienced travelers travel light and they wear the right clothes. Um, so, if last week was build the right stuff. This week is where the right stuff. And so today's big question is this, are you dressed for freedom? Now let's get straight into our text. So this is lingering from last week. Paul says, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You hear the connection between what Rosie was saying about God's righteousness there? So, quick context recap. So I want to just very quickly give you a little backward, a little forward, and a little bit of overview. So backwards, remember this chapter starts with Paul saying rejoice in the Lord. He calls it a safeguard. To rejoice is a safeguard for you. He says watch out for those dogs. We've talked a little bit about that. Those mutilators, those evildoers. So he's got strong language that he's employing here Um, Because it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And last message, I, I said that there are two ways which we get hindered from experiencing the full freedom that God has given us through Christ Jesus. One is to be focused on the wrong things, building the wrong things in our lives. Not necessarily bad things, but just not meant to be the overall priority. And then putting unnecessary burdens upon ourselves or others. So this is really the nucleus of what is going on here. How are we free? And it's not that these dogs, these mutilators that Paul is, is kind of Decrying in this, it's not that they're, they're putting all their eggs into one basket. It's that they're putting their eggs into the wrong basket entirely. They are trusting in the law to save them. It's the wrong basket. It can only come through Jesus Christ. And so they were adding to, they were trying to prove themselves. They were desperately trying to layer up so that they could be worthy of the law, but they missed it. Because freedom is found in Christ Jesus. This is the overview theme. Freedom for us, to us, in Christ. Listen, Isaiah says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. That's offensive. The gospel is offensive. It's offensive because the gospel says... Your very best work is filthy rags. And I'm like, hang on. I think I'm quite a good person, really, compared to Jesus. My goodness is not gonna save me, however good I am. Let me ask you this. Simon, he's quite athletic, you know, big you up there, Simon. He he climbed four Monroe's the other day, was it? Now, like, put me and Simon in the Pacific Ocean, in the middle, and say, swim to Hawaii, actually Hawaii is in the middle, I forget that one, swim to California, right? Who, who, who would you put your money on? Me or Simon? <laughs> really? What are you saying? <laughs> I'm a water baby. Like, like, seriously, I wouldn't bother putting my money on either of us. Because si- Simon might be able to get a thousand miles further than me, but he's not gonna make it to shore. It's too far. The the distance is too wide. Uh, Put that into goodness, like your swimming technique. Actually, I should have used the twins, because they're they're proper swimmers, aren't they? I still, like, could you do the Pacific, ladies? (laughs) (laughs) Don't ruin the message. (laughs) I tell you what, they could run rings around me, or swim rings around me, okay? They could literally keep going like Duracell bunnies, but at some point... That ocean is going to overwhelm them. And that is the deal with our goodness and trying to justify ourselves before God. At some point, we are all going to drown. Some of us might get a lot further before we do, but at some point, we all will. But Jesus can clean and heal, restore and forgive and renew, and he clothes us in his righteousness so that we take on his goodness. We wear his goodness, and that way we survive this. Are you dressed for freedom? Are you dressed for freedom? Everything we need to live in enduring freedom is found in Christ Jesus. And this is so highly valuable that, that Paul urges us to consider everything else to be lost, compared, useless, a hindrance even that we may know Jesus and be found in him to make him our highest prize and our overwhelming ambition then we can find life to know Jesus and be identified with him and now if we pull forward in the text we we will see somewhere in June or July Paul loves his running metaphors I mean I don't because it's quite exhausting But Paul loves his running metaphors. So in Philippians 3, in a a short while, we'll get to this. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of all of this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. He's running a race. He loves this. He says in Galatians 5, you were were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Somebody hindered you in your run. In Hebrews, and we think Paul was the writer of Hebrews. Some of us might disagree, but that's okay. But he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And at the end of Paul's own life he writes to Timothy and he says, I've fought the good fight, I've run the race. The finish line is in sight. He's been running, He's about to cross the line in glory and into glory. So, in life, we're to press ahead with something that often, honestly, feels a bit like an endurance race. And maybe some of you, at that point, I'm sure it happens to every marathon runner, where you're like, Have I got it in the tank to finish? Listen, you can't win a race wearing your whole wardrobe, okay? He probably won't even finish. Are you dressed for freedom? And, and so my three points today are this. Layer up, lay it down, and live in freedom. Layer up, lay it down, live in freedom. So how do we layer up? Like, how do we, as believers, as non-believers, whoever, how do we lay, put layer upon layer onto ourselves? Well, firstly, responsibility. We feel the weight of responsibility in our lives. Husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, teachers, whoever you are, managers, we feel responsibility. You feel responsibility to your employer. You feel responsibility to your friends, to your family, to your uh, colleagues. or identity, who am I? Where, where do I fit in here? What do I have to do so that others see me? How do I fit this? Or we layer up with expectations, what do I think others expect of me to fit in? Maybe religion. We think, how, what must I do to appease God? And it becomes like a layer that we just stick on top, and it starts to weigh us down. Self-justification, trying to make ourselves Right trying to prove ourselves to be right, and we just keep adding, we keep adding, we keep adding. Good works. I was listening to a a book by Timothy Keller yesterday, and if you know who Timothy Keller is, then you know literally yesterday, or the day before he went into glory. He's not bothered about that because he went to be with the king of kings, with his savior, but he he said the difference between non-Christians and Christians isn't that Christians repent of sin, Because even non-Christians, they feel regret, remorse, and they turn away from things that they know to be wrong when they're called out on it or when they know it. Conscience. We all have a conscience. He said the difference for believers is that they repent of the good works they've done with the wrong motives. Because we realize it can't save us. It doesn't add to us. And Paul talks about the sin that entangles and overloads. How do we wear sin? Well, some of that stuff, if we wear it incorrectly, it unbalances us in our run. And that is sin. We need it dealt with. How else might we sin? well, gossip, malice, hatred, envy, immorality. These are things that tangle us up. Uh, and that if I'm wearing everything I own and I'm tangled up, I'm not going to run very far. And we don't know who we are anymore and we're tired and we're exhausted and we're overloaded. Let, let me show you how this happens, okay? Practical demonstration. You probably, if you clocked it, you know, I've got to up my game because of John and Graham and their illustrations. <laughs> and their props. So, here we go. I've got to compete. <laughs> I come to God just as I am, and he removes my sin, I can't get the button under, and my shame, and my, no, I'm going to go all the way, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not the full Monty, <laughs> okay, that's not that movie. Um, I chose black for a reason, because black it tends to represent death, and Jesus has taken my death upon himself, so I don't wear it anymore, it's gone. But soon enough, I seem to be able to manage just to stain my own clothes. These pure white clothes that Jesus has given me. And I just seem to stain myself with it. And so what we try to do is we try to clean it off ourselves. And it just spreads it all and it makes a bigger stain. I can't clean this out. I can't deal with it, so what I then do is I say, I've got a bag of tricks, I know what I'll do, I'll cover it up. This is atonement. I am covering my own sin. I'm trying to cover my own shame. And the problem is, it comes through. I can't cover it up myself. And then, so I'm like, I better try to look holy, like Derek. So, this isn't a critique of wearing a tie, by the way. I better get a good Windsor knot in this. So I try to look holy so that I can fit into the religious establishment, so that everyone's happy with, with how I look. Thank you. I haven't even done my collar properly, but there you go. I'm, tr- I'm in a rush. I'm in a rush. I try to look holy. I start to believe in my own effort. And so I start to define my own identity thought a hoodie was appropriate for my identity there as well I try to come up with my own identity but it's missing something it's not who I am or who I'm supposed to be and I try then to meet up to everyone else's expectations of me and what better than a jacket for a pastor so I I chuck on a jacket and I'm feeling the unbearable weight of responsibility under that role and under that identity that I've put into myself and it's exhausting and and I'm starting to feel this pulling me back and pulling me down and I'm getting tired and and so I desperately go looking for some kind of peace some kind of rest and it might be that I turn to meditation or yoga or like breathing exercises and all of that I'm not saying that these are all bad things but I'm saying they're just not enough and so I'm putting another layer on myself because none of those things are actually going to deal with it Alan this one's just for you okay Alan loves wearing his house coat I can't even get over the back there and so that's it guys and pretty soon I am completely enslaved and entangled in sin. Am I dressed for freedom? Like, please, no, no photos, <laughs> The good thing about the podcast is this can't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, they'll just hear it and be like, what's going on there? This is how we live our lives. We, we keep, like, tying ourselves up in knots. We keep adding baggage and layers to ourselves, trying desperately to go, God, please notice that I'm trying my hardest to be a good Christian. Or maybe you don't even know Jesus, maybe you're not a Christian, and you're like, how, if God exists, how do I get right with him? But this isn't it. You see this. I look like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Am I dressed for freedom? Are you? dressed for freedom. And so I say, like Paul, who will save me from myself? Listen, church, it's not just the unbeliever who needs the redeeming, saving power of Jesus's good news. You need it as well, believers, because we do this too. We need to constantly turn and cry out, save me, Jesus. This isn't about re-salvation. That, that is done if you have put your faith in Christ. But we continually put the junk back on ourselves. And so how do we lay this down? How do you get rid of all this junk in your life? There's a, four words that are difficult. The first one is surrender. In other words, stop trying to do it your way. Because your way is not the best way. Humility. Surrender takes humility. It takes the admitting, I am not enough. You are enough in terms of a human being. You're enough to be in this church. You're enough to stand with your head held high. But to save yourself, I am not enough. And so we need to trust Jesus. And then the last word is fellowship. I'm going to ask if uh, David and Andrew, could you come and help me out here? Could you come and like, take all of this baggage off me? Like, thank you, mate. It's, it's a bit of a mess down there, I'm sorry. Okay, thanks, David. And you see, the thing is, we can't even take this all off ourselves. We, we need help. We get ourselves more tangled when we try to remove these garments. Do you remember, we've talked about this a little bit, with the coronation where, where the king came in, in in one load of robes, yeah, take the lot, man. It's like a mess. <laughs> well, not the lot. No, no. Stop somewhere. <laughs> and you look at, you look at how the king came in in these robes, but at some point he had to go right the way back, just to. I really wish I bought a spare shirt now, but he he came back to, just. I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, chuck it there. It's fine. And he was there. In a humble position, in a simple shirt. And then when the new robe was placed on him, it was also others who came and dressed him. You need two lots of people. You need Jesus, first and foremost. Because Jesus provides the robes that you need. But you need each other as well to hold each other accountable, to help each other, to encourage each other. The the writer of Hebrews talks about that cloud of witnesses. It's not like somebody's going, Oh, you screwed up again. I'm watching you. Don't don't see it that way. See it this way. Come on! I'm with you. Come on. I want to encourage you. I want to champion you. I I, want to see you flourish. I want to see you become free in Christ. I'm with you on this. I am cheering you on. And that's who we are meant to be to each other. How do we lay it down? We need other people to help. Zechariah 3, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you that is the gospel but you have to take off the old before you put on the new I should not put a clean shirt on top of this I need to in a minute go and take this off and then put a clean garment on and Paul talks about this a lot. I'm not going to go there now, but if you are, if you are making notes, note this, Ephesians 4:22 to 24. He, he talks of putting off your old self, which is corrupted, it's stained, and putting on the new self, which comes from God, his righteousness. In Colossians 3, 5 to 10, he, he says, rid yourselves of things like anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. Get rid of it from your lips. Don't lie to each other because you've taken off the old self and have put on the new self. And those things are the stains that we add to the new self. But this is really beautiful. Paul says the old self, in Romans 6, 6 and 7, was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Freedom. You are no longer slaves to sin. We still do it. And how we deal with it when we do it is the really critically important thing because if we try to cover it ourselves, try to work it out ourselves, try to show we could rip our garments and we could say, Lord, look how sorry I am. But ultimately, we need Him to come and remove the mess to live in freedom. How do you live in freedom? Oh, Lord, I just pray. I'm not done yet, but I just pray that you would speak freedom into people's hearts and lives here right now, today. Lord, people that have never met with you before, that they would know for the first time that, that in you there is freedom. Freedom. Freedom from trying to do it themselves. Freedom from their their own identity, where where, where it's been kind of merged and and corrupted and broken and hurt. Free from our sin, free from our shame, Lord, that you you would work into people's hearts right now, that very freedom. But also, Lord, I ask for the believers in this room. Because, Lord, we still need instruction to untangle... The sin that so easily entangles. We, We still have the instruction to put off the old and put on the new, to wear the righteousness of Jesus, which we've freely been given, and to walk in freedom. Lord, help us, help us, help us, not by my words, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you work freedom in this room today for the sake of your kingdom? for the honor of your name, for the glory of the Godhead, would you work freedom here today. Amen. I just want to talk to you about how we live in freedom and and keep living in freedom. Listen to what I say here, this is really important. You are most free when you most honor Jesus Christ. Uh, And you most honour Jesus Christ when you are most free. You are most free when you most honour Christ. And you most honour Christ when you are most free. What that means is when you live and move and have your being in him. I think this is a C.S. Lewis uh, analogy. He says, a fish brings most glory to God when it's being a fish a fish in a tree is a terrible idea that doesn't bring glory to God a fish in a tree you're like what that's not that's not what it's meant to be that's not designed to be in a tree that's going to die but that's what we do with our identity like if we were fish we're trying to take ourselves up into a tree and say all right I'm rejecting the way God created me to be and I'm going to place myself over here where I think I want to be. But there's nothing but death there. And people scratching their heads going, that's not how it's meant to be. That's, that's what happens when we try to create our own identity. Where we try to define it for ourselves. Guys, it, we all do it. If I find my identity in being a pastor, I'm missing the point. That's not who I am. If I try to define my identity as being a husband, I'm missing it. It's not who I am. My first priority of identity is that I I am created in the image of creator God. Like, I'm literally, you were literally created to reflect his image. Yes, it's broken. Yes, it's been corrupted. But still, we are image bearers. That is our identity. Child of God is my first identity. Redeemed, beloved, trophy of his grace. Don't be a fish in a tree. However much you think that 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 sets you out as an individual, it will crush the oxygen out of your life. You are most free when you are doing and being what you are designed to do and be. I mentioned earlier about good works and how Christians, Tim Keller said that Christians even repent of their good works that are done from the wrong motives. You see, we're told in Ephesians that God has created good works for us to do. We're his workmanship. He's created good works for you to do. Doing good things is what you are meant to be doing, but you're meant to be doing his good things. And the problem is, I keep trying to do my good things, and hope that he likes it. That's why you get people turn up to the X Factor and they're tone deaf. Trying desperately to be what we're not created to be. So, doing and being what you're designed to be and do, not your version of that. When created things live and move as the designer intended, not only does it glorify him, but it brings you true joy and freedom. Free from performance. How crushing is the performance expectation of this generation? You don't even have to be in employment to feel that crush. You don't even have to have overbearing parents to feel that crush. We do it to ourselves. We see it on Instagram. We see it in the magazines. We see it on the telly and the expectation and the performance It's exhausting. And the truth is there's always going to be somebody better and my best is never going to be good enough. If I'm trying to define myself by that. Free from expectations from other people's priorities for you. Only one person's approval matters. I don't even need to approve of myself. I need Jesus' approval. You need Jesus' approval. And here's the thing even with these filthy rags, you have it, you have His approval. Because he is the one who covers this for us. Free from our habits of sin. He's broken its hold on us. Yes, we still do it. But its power has been disconnected at the source. There might be some juice left in the wires somewhere. And so we fall and boy do we fall. And we get tempted and we get distracted and we go after the wrong things. But the power of sin has been defeated once for all, and so we can be free, truly free from sin, and therefore also free from guilt and shame. Have any of you come here today carrying a sense of guilt or a sense of shame with you? It's dealt with at the cross. How do we do this practically? Practically. So you've come in and you're saying that's all very well. It it sounds nice. How do I get there? How does an Olympic runner become an Olympic runner? They don't just have it in them but they constantly go back to it. How do we grow in this freedom, we constantly go back to the place where freedom comes from. Jesus. I cannot overextend the importance, believer, of you spending time seeking Jesus. And he gives the promise, if you seek me with all my heart, you will find me. So seek him out daily Make it your priority. Not as a religious, this is what I need to do to please God. Not, this is what I need to do to be a good Christian and fit into Riverview Church. Not for any other thing than this. Spending time in the presence of Jesus will work freedom into your life will work healing into your life, will change you. He will disciple you. He will grow you. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and he will do everything to help you grow in freedom, in joy, in understanding. Oh, that he would give us a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. The better you know Jesus, the freer you become. It's not that he gives you more as a little reward, like, oh, well done, he did a good prayer today, here's a bit more freedom for you. You have it all already. It's all yours. He's not saying, right, I'll clean this little bit off of you today, come back to me tomorrow and maybe I'll clean a little bit more if you're a good person. Like, he's already done it all, he's covered it with his own righteousness, And so we're not coming to appease or to just receive like a payment for what we've done. We're coming just because we've got nowhere else to go for the kind of freedom that we really need. I promise you, whatever you are placing your effort into to validate yourself in your life, it's not working. And you know it. Seek Jesus with all your heart. Not the Jesus that you want, but the Jesus that he is. Seek him with all your heart. How, guys, have you maybe layered up a little bit? Don't be ashamed. Because I do it all the time. Constantly putting extra layers on myself, trying to do whatever. How have you done that in your life? How do you try to add how do you try to please God and each other? In, in this race, are you, are you hindered? Do you feel like you're sweating in this race, that it's difficult? Do you feel overloaded? Do you feel like you've got weak legs? Do you feel like you're running out of steam sometimes? Oh, to know Jesus, his surpassing worth, he helps us to remove those extra layers as we come to know him. And he says, my yoke is easy. I, I'm going to start to finish. Josh, come up here. Um, Andrew, also, just give me a second. Come up here. Just humor me. Jesus, we're, we're familiar with this, aren't we? We love this verse. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. Come to me, all you who are weary. And we're like, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? But then we, we read it when we're in the middle of the storm uh, and, and we feel like... How does this work for me? Well, Jesus is talking about a yoke, not eggs, but, but this thing that used to go across the bar of a couple of oxen or a couple of horses. And, and, and he says, my yoke is easy. Now, the thing is, if the yoke that I pick up is heavy, then I'm trying to pull ahead and I'm trying to pull this me. And i what happens there. If you've got one stubborn horse that's not going to move and one horse that's keen to move, what are going to get this? And very soon, you're going around in circles. You're being pulled off course. And then we're like, where did it all go wrong for me? Where did I stop following Jesus with that passion that I first had? And it's because you've yoked to yourself in a way. You've tried to do it yourself. And it's a heavy burden and you just keep going, oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me. And he says, but my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And then what we find in this, it's not me that's pulling Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. What do you need to bring to the table? Surrender, willingness, humility, bowing before him. That's it. Everything else, his divine power has given us everything we need. Even surrender, he's working in our hearts. Even that is a gift from him. Everything extra is not only unnecessary, it's a hindrance. If, if you want to shed the load, if you want to cast off that heavy burden, the burden that we put on ourselves now, if you want to step into a fuller understanding of an expression of the freedom that he really has worked for you, if you want that, stand now. If you want that freedom in Christ.